Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Rhonda Britton. Rhonda, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited, Ken. I, you know, I made a commitment to myself years ago that I don't want to do anything alone. So I do everything in partnership. <laughs> it's just, it just makes life so much more fun and interesting. Amen to that. You are so right. <laughs> and it's actually, I, I'm glad you said that because that's one of the catalysts for me starting this show. So let me do this first. Let me get our, our, our guests up to, our listeners up to speed on, on who you are in case they maybe don't know. Um, so, Rhonda Britton is actually an Emmy Award winner. She is a repeat guest on Oprah. She's a contributor to the Huffington Post and a master coach who has changed the lives of thousands of people through over 600 episodes of reality television. Now, she's the author of four bestsellers, including her seminal work, Fearless Living, and she's the founder of the Fearless Living Institute home of the Fearless Living Life Coach Certification Program, which is considered the Ivy League of Life Coach Training. Now, Rhonda was actually the first life coach on television in the entire world. She appeared for three seasons as the head life coach on the hit daytime NBC show, Starting Over. And she's been heralded as America's favorite life coach. She brings the neuroscience of fear down to earth, giving you a path out of the not being good enough, using what she calls wheels technology that she developed when she saved her own life. So Rhonda, there's a lot going on here. Take a minute and <laughs> you know give us a glimpse into how you got started on this amazing journey. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, when I first became a life coach, there was like five of us. You know, it was 1995 when I opened my, my put my shingle out, so to speak. And, you know, coaching didn't even exist, really. Nobody knew what coaching was. So I was one of the, you know, what's that called that, you know, pioneers of becoming, you know, making life coaching part of our mainstream. And as well as being the first life coach on TV, uh, that actually helped make it live stream, uh, uh, mainstream because obviously people saw what coaching was when I was on TV every day for seven years. Um, and how I got here to become a life coach is really uh, it's a long story and a long journey, and I will leave it. At, I will just say a couple things. One is um, I didn't think one that I was worthy to be a life coach. I didn't think that I could help people because I felt so uh, so messed up myself. Right? I was trying to change my own life and transform my own life and heal my own life. And so when I was working with uh, who became my mentor, and he was one of the very first life coaches. He would say to me all the time, you're going to be a better life coach than me. And I'd look at him and go, like, you're a crazy person. Like, there's no way I can become a life coach. And I think that's really important for people because I think sometimes our greatest destiny is the very thing we think we can't do. Yes. And or it's the thing that's so easy for us that we think it's not worthy. Right? 
And for me, I didn't think I could do it. I mean, there's no way I can help people. I mean, I'm, look at my life, right? And, you know, soon enough that, that obviously, I, I, obviously that shifted for me. And it really shifted for me because, because of my own transformation and my own healing. And not necessarily that I was healed or that I was done by any means, but that I recognized the power of my own journey. And, um, you know, I really became a life coach and do what I do today so that no one has to live in fear because I lived in fear for 20 years and, and even longer, really. But as an adult for 20 years, uh, from the age of the 14 to, to 34. Hmm. And, um, and of course, I was in fear before that. You know, you're obviously a little kid. You're in fear. But 14 to 34, I really allowed fear to run my life in a, in a big way because I went through, you know, a horrible, tragic horrific experience and um and that really that really made me feel that I didn't know if I had a right to be alive I definitely didn't have a right to be happy um and I didn't have a right to you know have my own life and uh what I'm referring to is that on Father's Day when I was 14 years old my uh Parents were getting separated. They were divorced, getting divorced. And my father came to take us out to brunch. And um, as he's, you know, as we're getting to the car, my sisters are fighting it out in the bathroom. You know, me and my mom are walking out. My dad's yelling, come on, come on. And as he goes to his car to get a coat, uh, his trunk to get his coat, I notice he didn't grab a coat, but he grabbed a gun. And he starts screaming at my mother, you made me do this. You made me do this. And he fires uh, a shot right into my mother's abdomen. And then he points the gun at me and I think I'm next. And my mother screams, no. And in that moment, my mother basically saved my life because my father took that gun intended for me and shot my mother a second time, got on his knees, put the gun to his head and fired. And so within a matter of, gosh, two minutes max, might have even been a minute, but let's say two minutes, Max. I was the sole witness to my father murdering my mother committing suicide in front of me. And when that happened, I blamed myself because I was the only one that could have physically stopped it. And I basically in that moment split in two. You know, part of me was like, I'm going to be perfect and I'm going to, you know, just be a perfect girl, like, right, and pretend this didn't happen. And on the other hand, I was obviously in a deep amount of pain, anger, grief, et cetera. And those two people fought it out for years. And I, and I don't think a horrific experience, a, a horrible experience has to cause that. I think many of us live that way. I think many of us live split in two, where we think we know the right thing to do or what we should do, um, but we're not really, we don't really do it, or we, we don't feel capable of doing it, or we don't feel like we have a right to do it, or you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we're battling within ourselves at all times. And, you know, it was that journey of me integrating myself and aligning myself, head, heart, body, spirit, that healed me to the point of recognizing that I am enough just as I am. And that process, um, in some weird way, started attracting people to me and asking me what I was doing. And, um, and I, I would tell them, like, oh, nothing, and they would be like, no, you're doing something. And so what I ended up 
doing to really save my own life is, you know, during those 20 years of, of, of fear running my life, I tried to kill myself three times. I became an alcoholic. And it was really that third suicide attempt, Kim, that I said to myself, I can't keep doing this. Like, I, I'm, I'm not meant to die. I'm meant to live, but I can't keep living like this. And so I started creating exercises for myself that I just would make up. Because, um, again, I tried workshops. I tried therapy. I tried a whole bunch of, you know, self-improvement, self-development, everything I could think of. And they all were good information, but they didn't change me at my core. And it was only when I started creating my own exercises and really understanding how fear works that I was able to uh, shift my perception of myself and shift the framing of who I am and shift the outcomes of my life. And, um, and that was the beginning of what's now fearless living. Of course, I was only thinking of myself back then. But really, a lot of the exercises I teach and support people with is the things that I did when I was first moving through uh, the healing of my own, you know, sordid, horrible past and my own shame-based life that I, because uh, after my parents died, of course, um, I split, like I said, I split in two. So on one hand, I was a good straight-A student, but on the other hand, I was drinking and committing suicide. So, um, you know, I had a lot of shame. And the only thing that moved that shame through me was understanding how fear works and um, understanding how I respond to fear and then how do I choose differently and what choices do I have and, and how do I truly become fearless? And, and that's really what got me to where I am today because that journey is still the foundation of everything that I do. And then of course, you know, clients are coming unbeknownst to me and they actually like what I had to say and it actually makes sense. So, you know, still to this day, Ken, I'm still shocked by the amount of people that I've had impact on that have changed our lives because of fearless living. And I consider it a tremendous honor to get to do what I do every day. Like, how awesome is that? But for 23 years, I've been transforming lives. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. And, and thank you for, for doing that. And you said something that was really, really powerful. And I, I don't know if everybody caught this, but you said when you, when you decided you had a choice, yeah. then you could change things. And I always say that, you know, yeah. choice is power. As long as yeah, we think there's right. no choice, we're toast. <laughs> we're like, that's right. We're victims. We're victims. We're like, we're victims. oh, it's just the way it is. I can't do anything about it. But as soon as we own mm -hmm. the choice, now we've got our power back. Yeah, and for many people, myself included, I couldn't get that concept until I got fear. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the thing that fear does is it makes you feel right? It makes you feel like those things are real. I mean, if you would have tried to convince me that I had choice, I would have said to you some smarty butt thing like, oh, I had choice that my father killed my mother killed himself. I'm a choice that I'm an orphan. You know, I'm a choice, right? Like, mm -hmm. like it didn't feel like I had a choice. And I, I know for me personally, when I started understanding how fear worked, those feelings basically started to make sense to me. And I actually had choice over those feelings. But until I understood fear, those feelings were way overwhelming. And I, I, and that's the thing. I think that we, I know that what I do is I go, I know it feels real. It does. It feels really real. I mean, when you're being a victim, when you don't think you have choice, it feels real. When you don't have money in your bank account, that feels real. I get it. When, you know, your mate broke up with you and left you heartbroken, that feels real. I get it. 
right? So I, I think one of the things that I do is I really get how difficult and courageous it is to move from a place of this feels really real to even being willing to be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. I think that takes so much courage. And that gap is huge. That gap is huge. Because it's not an intellectual exercise. We can't do it from an intellectual point of view. We actually have to do it viscerally. We have to do it in our body. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so, so true. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, because you said earlier that you, you do everything in partnership now. Mm-hmm. With that being kind of how you operate, what do you find is... I call it your guiding principle. Some people call it a, a touchstone or a mantra. But what is the thing that helps you get back on the path of partnership when you've kind of gotten off in the weeds? Oh, um, I, I just I just know that I um, when I find myself ever you know stuck, um, one of my productive behaviors is who can I connect with? Right? Like where's my connection? You know, I need to connect, and um, so how I set myself up is always, you know, I set my projects up in partnership. Now I set my support up in partnership, like even my support, you know, my personal support, my coaches, my mentors, the things, people that I use, you know, all that to me is partnership. It's not, they are doing it to me or for me that I'm in partnership with them. So I'm, I'm really clear that the way to be successful, the way to have peace of mind, uh, the way to have fun, uh, the way to connect, you know, the, anything, like anything is really about, um, I'll go back to that word connection, is, you know, who is the who is the best person right now that I can connect with and, and who's available because I also am not fussy sometimes, right? Like on one hand, you have to be fussy. And on the other hand, sometimes you can't be fussy, right? Like you, you got to, you know, if, I, if I'm feeling lonely, going to the local coffee shop and just saying hi to the barista cures that loneliness, you know, makes me feel connected to the world again. So, you know, on one hand, yes, we want to have what I call, you know, our, our, our wife council, our support team. Um, and on the other hand, we want to have micro connections all throughout our day. And so when people say to me, oh, I don't want, I don't like to have shallow conversations or, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're missing connection big time. Because many ways that we feel connected to ourselves and to the world is by talking to the same dry cleaner, going to the same restaurant, having the same waiter recognize us and know what we like to drink. All those types types of things. To me, even though that feels like, oh, that's just a maybe that's a support tool. Those are, to me, that's partnership. I mean, when I when I go and I'm working on writing, I always go to this one restaurant uh, when I write, and because I know they're going to take care of me and I feel connected, so I'm a better writer there. So that's not mm. that's not just you know. That, so that to me is partnership as well. Um, so when people diss shallow conversations, I think they're missing so many opportunities. When I'm working with my, when I bring things into my dry cleaner, my dry cleaner is not just my dry cleaner. He's my partner in making sure that I look really amazing when I go and have keynote speeches, right? When I go and teach, you know, he's my, he's my partner. And I go, this seems, I know it seems like, um, maybe exaggerated or a, a larger expansive way to think of partnership. But, you know, I don't just go to any dry cleaner. I pick my dry cleaner, and I, I, and I love my dry cleaner. I love how they service me. I mean, again, to me, that is part of – I've had this experience. This can, again, this is going to sound maybe minute, but I, my manicure – I know this is going to sound crazy, but my manicure place just sold. 
And I am telling you, this is causing me great angst. <laughs> now, some people would be like, oh, well, who cares? It's like, no, you don't understand. Like, that was my, my place to go and relax. I have the same people. Um, they knew how to do my nails and my toes, and they took really good care of me. And, they, and now that it's new ownership, I went in, and it's a completely different atmosphere, and it doesn't feel supportive and nurturing anymore. And that is a hole in my support system. So I'm actually going to be testing new manicure places because I need to find the place that is my new quote-unquote home. And again, this is an expansive way of thinking of partnership, but that's how I think of my life. No, I absolutely love that. And, you know, you said people think might think it's minute, but one of the things I, I often say is there's no such thing as a small need. That's right. We that's think right. that, that's oh, yeah, exactly that, no, that's right. no big deal. No, no, that, that doesn't matter. Yes, it that's does, right. because they start to add yes, up. It does. That's right. That's right. You know, one little what's the big deal, and then, the, like you're saying, the second what's the big deal, all of a sudden now your energy is depleted. Mm -hmm. Now a part of your brain, like my part of my brain right now since that happened, <laughs> um, I, I got to go get a manicure and pedicure right now. I have a, I have a client flying in to work with me one-on-one -on -one for two days, so I got to get my manicure done and my pedicure done and everything, and it's like I am like, wah, wah, wah. like it's like, oh, no, yeah. right? Uh and so it's 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 creating this small angst. It's creating it's causing a, a I don't want to say a blockage, but lack of a better word right now it's coming to me. But it's creating this thing in the back of my mind going, gotta find a new place, gotta find a new place. And that is like secretly and silently draining my energy, right? So so if I am going to be masterful in what I do, I must stop all energy leaks. And me thinking about this you know, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, or just pops up in my brain, that is an energy leak. And, uh, and that is stopping me from giving my all to everything that I'm doing in the sense that it's leaking my energy. So uh, that's not okay with me. So I agree with you 100%. There is no small need. And, you know, something as simple as like, oh, your manicure place, and, you know, there's, there's 20 within three blocks of my house probably, it doesn't matter. Like every time I have to go test one, it's like, will it work? Will it not? Right. Mm -hmm. Will it be the one? Will it not? Um, I have to reconnect. I have to open my heart again, you know, like everything. Right. And I don't think people understand the risks involved in all of that and how much it drains you and don't give themselves the, the gentleness and the kindness in order to move through those things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's ridiculous. I'm being re I'm being dramatic. You know, all this stuff. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Is there an element of drama to it? Sure. But the drama is if you don't do anything about it. That's right. That's right. If you take that's ownership right. of it and go, no, this does compromise me. I need to do something about it. Well, that's, that's correct. So let me ask that's you this, right. because I, I love the expansiveness of, of the way you look at partnership. I absolutely think it's fantastic. Give us an example, if you would, of a time when maybe you kind of tripped up in your partnership. Maybe you undermined the partnership. Oh. Like what was going on? What did you trip on? And what did you learn? Well, you know, my old office manager, the, my ex-office manager that used to run Fly in the office, um, you know, I, what happens for me is when I get tripped up in partnership is I go into the old fear-based mentality of, well, this is good enough. I'll make do. 
right? Mm. Oh, it's going to be so hard to train somebody new, right? And she's really good at these things, but really bad at these things. And the good things, they got to outweigh the bad things, right? Like, and then finally, it became so clear that it was really um, costing my business some, you know, it was costing me and my business. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's me having the courage to have the conversations and then me willing to go, no, it's not okay with me. It's not okay. I mean, again, I get that nobody's perfect, but there's certain things that you need in every relationship in order to make it healthy and good. And um, I, I'll just say two ex-office managers because there's another ex-office manager when I was on starting over when I was on TV every day, you know, that I didn't physically have the bandwidth to change the office manager. And because I was working, you know, 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for three years, five, actually five years. And so it was, I wasn't happy with my office manager, but I also didn't have the bandwidth to do it. And so I found myself compromising again and trying to plug the holes with other people or maybe me doing something. Cause that's the other thing that I do when, when I know partnership isn't working when I'm carrying most of the load. And when I am, can you say that again, please? Sure. Well, I know a partnership isn't working when I'm carrying most of the load. And when I am, concerned that their part's getting done, you know, that there's, that, that they're not, they're not aligned with me on where we're going. And again, I get, I mean, I'm a, I'm a doer. So I have a tendency to, you know, kind of carry the load, so to speak, like carry more of the load per se. Um, and I have to be really conscious of that. And when, and really make sure I'm not, because if I'm carrying most of the load, I know the partnership isn't working, whether it's me not working it well because I'm picking too much up or um, the person isn't necessarily really invested or has the skills I need to be in that partnership or has the mindset to be in that partnership. You know, there's a flaw in the partnership and a partnership for me. Well, I mean, I, my first two partners in business, I'll just give you another, just a real, even more dramatic, more like example is when I first started Fearless Living in 1995, I was a solo show until 2000. And then in 2000, I was writing my book and I thought to myself, well, I've never, you know, I've trained workshops at my house, but I've never trained trainers or trained coaches. I need a partner for that. And so I, in the course of a three-year period, uh, got into two different partnerships. And both ended really poorly and really bad and really horribly. Um, because what I did in those partnerships is I said to myself, oh, I don't know, and they do. Mm. I don't know this. They do. They know more than me. So they're going to do the right thing. They're going to be, they're going to make sure it happens. And I think this is what happens to mentors. You know, when we have a mentor, we hire a business coach. We go, well, they know, and I don't. And we take all our power back, right? We take our power away. And then we get resentful or angry or bitter because they're not fulfilling our wishes and desires. And the bottom line is they can't, nobody can, nobody can do that. No, we can, you can never hire a, a business, an agency, a, a, a bookkeeping company, anybody and be hands off completely. It's not possible. You are in partnership with all those things. So my first partnership, again, it was me going well and, and putting myself, you know, less than and going, well, they know more than me. So I'll stay out of their way. And really what I did is I lost my voice. Um, they started taking my workshops and everything in the direction that didn't fit for me or didn't resonate with me. They started 
you know, they did things that I was like, no, this isn't okay. But in the beginning, I let, I, I kind of let them do that because I thought they knew best. And then as it became clear that every cell in my being was wanting to throw up, I knew I had to do something. And then, of course, they felt bitter and angry because they had done so much work on my behalf and done so much. And um, that's what's so fascinating because they, they do want to come in and save you, right? They do want to come in and be the man, be the, be the girl, be the, be the team. But the minute you don't participate in partnership with those uh, companies that you hire to support you or to help you or to guide you or to – the minute you do that, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You're screwed. And I have learned this, like I said, I had two partnerships. And after the second, because I thought, oh, the first partner is just a partner. I'll just get a different partner, right? And so then I got a different partner, and that ended poorly. And I really, really understood that I actually have to lead my company, and I'm in partnership with everybody who works with me and for me and in all those relationships, but not to have a quote-unquote partner because what I'll do is I'll give my power away and leave it. So instead, I'm partnered with my tech director. I'm partnered with my coach director. I'm partnered with those people, but I'm not partnered at the, at the top. Yeah. Except with the big guy, of course. It's the big guy. <laughs> I, I, I'm part, God tells me a lot what to do. So I've got to say, there I'm partnered, right? Good. You know, That's so. awesome. That's fantastic. And, you know, you, you, you yeah. said something so important when you said, you know, if I'm not participating in partnership. And people oh, have yeah, this fantasy that partnership me, right? is like magic. It's like, oh, we're just great partners. It's like, no, it's it's a full contact sport. Partnership is not oh, it, something that happens. It's a full contact sport, Ken, and it will cause you to grow like nobody's mm-hmm. business because I also had a partnership with my coaches. Okay, So now there's this thing called partnership with the coaches that I train. And when I was on Starting Over, you know, we had – you know, I mean, the, my, every single coach of mine was fully booked every minute of the day because I was on TV every day and I wasn't coaching. So all my coaches got all the leads, right? Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. And I created a entitlement. Mm-hmm. Okay? I created an entitlement because that I didn't know it, of course, at the time. I wasn't purposely doing that. But when I, when I stopped being on TV every day and their business went down because, of course, they didn't know how to get their own business, right? They never learned that skill. And it's almost like I felt guilty for that, and they felt resentful. Like we were in an entitled entitlement quandary, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to take responsibility that I had set up that paradigm. I'm the one that set up that paradigm. Um, and so when they were resentful or angry and frustrated and disappointed, right? That was that was my doing because I set up that paradigm. Um, and then I had to educate and grow our, our way out of that. And I'm glad to say now that we're completely free of that. But that was a huge learning. So it's not with a person. It's with an entire group of people yeah. that I was in partnership with. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to ask you something because we've had those have been such amazing examples. And I think we can all relate to those in our own lives. What's one of those times that... I call it like a proud moment in partnership where you look back on it and you're like, you just can't help but smile and you go, that was cool. Like what's something that happened as a result of partnership for you that way? Oh my gosh. I have things every day because um, like I said, I run every single that works with me, whether it's a virtual assistant or whether it's uh, a team member that's on my core team. Um, 
each one of those people I am now in partnership with. And like I said, I had to grow into that um, because I was hoping they would just do it, right? But I'm actively participating with them uh, every day slash every week, every month. So when anything gets accomplished in the business, uh, it is a celebration of partnership. It's a celebration of partnership mm. uh, for sure. And so, for instance, my new coaching director, uh, I, um, I have a new uh, director of certifications, uh, Larissa, and she came on board. It's been a few years now, but when she came on board, we had to dismantle what the coaching program was and really restructure it from the ground up in order to create like we like we get called over the Ivy League of Coach programs because I didn't want to be just any program. So it took a level of commitment and a level of connection and a level of truth telling because talk about the conversations. When you're in partnership, you gotta tell the truth. And those are some of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my entire entire life. I have to say my toughest conversations are not with my intimate partners. My toughest conversations are with my with my team and with my business associates and with the people I work with because I want to, from an ego perspective, i.e. fear-based perspective, you know, I want to look like I got it all together, right? And, right, so I have to always be on alert, like, oh, yeah, and you need their help and you need their support and, oh, by the way, you're doing this together and this is your part and this is your... So it, it, it kind of keeps me um, honest and real to a level that... Um, you know, I'm going to step back from it. I, I think I'm an honest and real and truthful person regardless. And it's made me face the places where I have fudged maybe accountability or fudged, you know, responsibility or fudged something in the past where I didn't, I wouldn't look at it and call it fudging, but I'm like, no, I, I was fudging. So now, like I just got off the phone with my director of tech and, you know, we're making this amazing thing happen. And it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, we just we just ran um, a whole Facebook campaign that we've never even attempted to run at this level of intricacy before, and it was super successful after you know testing and all these. And it's just so exciting because all of us are on the phone, just you know hooping and hollering. So um, it's just I can't. I, I mean, there's not a day that goes by in my life anymore that I'm not having a celebration because of a partnership. I hope everybody heard that. Not a day in her life goes by without right. celebration. True. That's part of partnership, and, and, and is I, celebrating the pieces. That's part, yeah, celebrating the pieces. And I think for me, um, sorry to interrupt, is I, in order to become a better partner, I had to be willing to be vulnerable. And mm -hmm. that for me is the key. If I'm vulnerable and transparent, partnership works. If I am holding on and pretending anything, it doesn't. Exactly. A hundred percent. And it's not a matter of I'll be vulnerable once you are. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm the leader. I've got to go first. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I am the owner founder of fearless living. So I got to go first. And also in an intimate relationship, I go first because it's my life. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's my life. Which is, a bit ironical, a bit of an interesting di uh, situation there that, you know, 
your organization is fearless living. So mm-hmm. you're challenged just by opening the door every day to go, okay, I guess I got to face my fears. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, I mean, God knew what he was doing. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, really, he knew what he was doing because I'm, I mean, uh, fearless living has awakened. Uh, it, it, it is a constant, let's put it like, it is a constant barometer about my connection to myself mm-hmm. and uh, authentic, transparent, truthful, vulnerable, open heart, open mind. I mean, it is a constant. Uh, it is my. Uh, it is by my barometer. It's my. It's my uh, foundation. It's. Uh, it's my guidance. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Rhonda, we've actually gotten to a part of the show. I call it "Bring It All Home" because this is where we're going to step away <laughs> from stories for a second. And we're going to focus on just some little nuggets that our listeners can walk out the door with. And what I'd love to start with is what would you say is the best partnership or maybe you'd call it relationship advice that you've ever received? Oh, gosh. Um, Oh, wow. I'm completely blank right now. Um, Wow, I am completely blank right now. I'm having a brain blank. <laughs> so in part, so in partnership with you this minute, um, I will just say the the best piece that I tell myself, whether I received it from somebody else or mm-hmm. not, I have no clue. But is that recognition? How many years ago? It's been ten years now, going on ten years. When I said to myself, I never want to do anything alone again, and partnerships make me better. And that was a huge vulnerable moment, a huge truth-telling moment, a huge expansive moment, um, and it was, it'll be the, it, it is and is and will be the key to my success now and in my future success. I love it. Absolutely, you're right. 100% vulnerability there, right? That's right. Just to own that I'm better when I'm in partnership. I'm not an island. I'm I'm more vulnerable. I'm more honest. I'm more accountable. I'm a better me. Exactly. Love that. So I know you're an author. You're a best-selling author, including Fearless Living. Other than your own books, what's like a, a, a book, or maybe it's not a book, maybe it's a resource that you would recommend to our listeners around partnership? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I know this may seem like a, a, a crazy book, but um, the verbal abusive book, um, verbal abuse relationships, uh, are so. There's emotional abuse, uh, verbal abuse, and there's amazing books about verbal abuse. I ask every single coach of mine to read that book. Like that should be everybody's bible because I actually don't know when we are. I don't think we're awake to how often we talk poorly to ourselves or to others. Uh, so, and I also don't know, I also think that we aren't aware that we're being verbally abusive. So Verbally Abusive Relationships by Patricia Evans, I know it may not sound like a partnership book, but it is complete partnership. Because um, when you read that book, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I do this. And you, if, you legit, if somebody logically asked you, well, do you verbally abuse? You'd be like, of course not. And then you read the book and you're like, holy crap. Oh. So um, I think cleaning up your own communication, becoming a better communicator and more powerful communicator is needed and necessary as a partner. 
you have to be really clear in communication and um, you can't uh, say, well, what do you want to do about it? There is no it. You have to be very specific. And that takes a level of awakening and awareness that's critical to your success. So I actually, verbally abusive relationship by Patricia Evans to me is a necessary ingredient in having powerful, intimate, connected, integrous partnerships. I love it. That's a great recommendation. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Rhonda, it's pretty clear you, you have way more to share than we have time for. <laughs> so, I did warn you I'm a talker, right, Ken? <laughs> I think I might have missed that piece. Um, but it's great. That's much better than the alternative. So <laughs> let's do this. How can our, our listeners contact you? How can they learn more about what you do? Um, fearlessliving.org is the place that all things fearless living and I would love to give every listener a special gift from Fearless Living. So if you want to go to fearlessliving.org, O-R-G, fearlessliving.org, forward slash risk, R-I-S-K, I'd love to give them a free tool that they can use. It, it's, it's a free tool to them. It's actually a, a mini course. And you're going to be able to help yourself and support yourself and your teams on how to move forward in your goals, dreams, aspirations, because I'm going to show you how to put your to-do lists in your honest ear and actually do things differently. So stretch risk, so stretch, it's called stress risk and die. But again, go to fearlessliving.org forward slash risk, R-I-S-K, and you can go grab it as my free gift to you. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, I got to say, I mean, your, your stories, your insights, absolutely incredible. Thank you so very, very much for sharing those. And thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Here's the partnership fearlessly. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.